0: I'm getting old. Not as old as you, but I'm getting old. Welcome in the head coach of BYU Cougars, Kalani Sitake, who always places the fans with Navy
1: and Royal combined. What's up, Kalani? Well, I was about to say, (laughs) what a great introduction. You guys talking about being old. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
2: This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To
0: lead off... Here's the double coverage interview of the week. We were talking about how big this game is, Chris. What's the conversation like with the team this week? Obviously coming off of two losses and now another big one.
3: Um, The conversation's still the same. Like, we tell our guys all the time, like, your next game, which is tonight, San Francisco, is the biggest and most difficult game. Um, So I expect our guys to have a little bit more chippiness, uh, a little more energy, Um, coming off these losses, and and be ready to, you know, bring it tonight. And we're happy to be home. We're happy to be in front of our fans. And so we're looking forward to it. But, you know, our message is always the same. Like, we have an opportunity to get better. We have an opportunity to compete. But, we like, this is going to be the most challenging game of the season. It just is. And a lot of folks call it a must game, win, a lot of fans. you got your
4: pundits out there. Uh, How do you block out the noise of that feeling of, we have to win this game.
3: Yeah. I think you control what you control. And so going into this game, it's like, okay, well, what is the scout? What's the game plan? Um, you know, um, you know shut, shut off social media. Shut off yeah. your, your, your texts. You know, shut those things down and, and, and just stay together as your team. Stay together was important and just kind of block things out. And again, focus on, you know, the, the task at hand.
0: And there's a lot to manage with that because if you win the game, Great, um, you know, and, and if you don't, you got Gonzaga bearing down on you. So n- naturally, you could be like, "Hey, this is a trap game." But because it's San Francisco and they're in the tourney yeah. and they played such a, a tough game with you, it feels like it'd be easier to be like, "Hey, don't worry about those guys." But yet, it's Gonzaga, and that's always circled yeah. on the calendar. So, what's the vibe been like? Of like, okay, we have we have two big games, but first, it's San
3: Francisco. Our respect uh, for San Francisco. Is really high. We know how good they are. We know they've got two of the best guards in the league. We know they have you know one of the most dangerous five men in the league, and we know that you know we were able to escape with a gutsy win, uh, you know, two to three weeks ago up on the hill. Um, And so our guys, I'm telling you, we're completely focused on San Francisco because we know if we're not. They're really good, and they, they can come in on the, on the road and win if we're not 100% locked in. It's just the truth. Like, our guys know how good these guys are.
4: There's no secret in conference play, especially as you get to play each other again, maybe a third time in Vegas. Uh-huh. But it seems like the strategy now for your opponents is put three guys on Alex, <laughs> if not three, two, uh, beat him up, knock him around, yeah. make him earn his 20 points, and then uh, allow some open shots for some guys who are struggling. So when you know that's going to be yeah. the plan, how do you count do You, count you know,
3: them? I mean, it's, it's great game plans by the team. They know how good – it's a testament how good Alex Barcelo is right. and how dangerous he is from all over the court. Um, you, you have to send two or three to the ball like you talked about. You have to hit him, you know. You have to hit him and hit him um, to make him feel you all night. And so what Alex is – you know, the reason he's really, really efficient and he's one of the best players in the country is he'll make the right play. Right? He's going to trust his teammate. He's going to trust the open man. And – and he's going to, you know, continue to move the ball. And the ball will eventually, when you do that, the ball eventually finds its way back to you. And so we're completely prepared. For, I mean, we're prepared for that. We, we know how other different ways to find him shots. And our guys know that if they start to, you know, move without the ball, cut, finish shots, rebound the ball, then then it takes a little bit more pressure off Alex, and then things open up.
4: You look at his numbers here. Have you seen a better shooter? you played a lot of ball.
3: Uh, no. I mean, we've had some good – like Jake Toulson was a big-time three-point shooter, and he. Always, I felt like he always made really, really tough ones. But in terms of the defense that has thrown at Alex and the way he gets hit and the way he has to, we're asking him to do defensively to fall – you know, he just – it's amazing. what Guys, don't understand. It's amazing what he does and how efficient he is with the beatings he takes, right. night in and night out. Like Alex Barcelo is special.
0: Absolutely. We're talking to Chris Burgess, assistant coach for the BYU men's basketball team. Um, with as we get, we're into February now. I yeah, mean, it, it's this is crunch time, right? Um, this team's seventeen and six. You're in a you're in a good spot. How do you feel about kind of the resume right now and? the opportunity you have to yeah. build on it and hopefully avoid uh, messing it right. up, I guess, right?
3: Yeah, I mean, we got, we got a great resume so far, and, and what's cool about it is we have, another, we have some more quad ones on the schedule, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, you talked about Saturday versus the Zags at St. Mary's. Who's um, 23 in that. They're really good. Up there, they're really good. And, <laughs> so, and then you got San Francisco here, which is a quad, quad two. Yeah. Um, so we've got a few more opportunities to improve that resume. You know, we when we put together the schedule. I don't know how many more months. How many months ago? We knew it was going to be brutal. We knew our non-conference was going to be really tough. We knew we were going to be on the road a lot, and we we knew we were going to give our our guys an opportunity to put together something special in terms of resume. And our guys have done that. So we need to we need to take care of business. We just, I mean, at the end of the day, we have to take care of business. And, and if we do that, good things will happen. I think one number that, uh, that
4: should be talked about more that isn't uh, when you lose Baxter and Harvard, at yeah. your centers. Uh, and I remember we were talking with Mark, and he's on a, how we're going to get some rebounds. You know, is, is Caleb going to now be the center? But you throw in a tiki and you throw in Foos. And as we sit coming into this week, um, BYU's number one in the country in rebounding. 916 of them. I don't think anyone's got more than 900. That's crazy. How uh, how have you done that?
3: Uh, By committee. Um, Atiki, obviously, coming off the bench, um, grabbing, I think, six rebounds last game. Caleb's always got a knack to go chase it. Gideon, Alex, and Tijon are really good at the guard spot rebounding down where our bigs are all doing the dirty work boxing out. Those guards need to rebound down. Uh, So it's by committee. And I think we've had mo- different games, multiple games with different, you know, leading rebounders, yeah. um, and it's just got to be who it's just got to be who we are. You know, we've won a lot of games because we've dominated the glass, um, and you and you, sh- if you can do that on the road, you can win. You can win on the road, um, but we've we've got we've got a lot of players that can really chase rebounds and have a just have a good feeling about where the ball's going to go. Starting with Foose and Caleb and Gideon and Atiki Tiki jumping in there and Alex and Tijon at the guard.
0: Is a key to keep a team sub seventy because I've looked at a couple numbers here four and five when giving up seventy plus and then seventy six plus it's zero and four yeah is that a number that
3: matters yeah absolutely we have you know we have different metrics and and goals and numbers that we'd like to um, shoot for every game and, and that. If we can keep a team under seventy,
0: and you, San Francisco was at sixty nine. By the way, we won 71-69.
3: So yeah, it's it's important for us. It's important for us to our defense to bring it, especially at home. Um, and you do that by keeping teams off the free throw line. You do that by guarding the three point line and keeping teams out of transition. If you can do that, you can hold teams under, and then you know hope your offense can get plus seventy.
4: This is a time of year when when players get into funks, they get into mm-hmm. cold spells. They they they. I don't know why or what. Uh, uh, and you've got a few that uh, haven't been able to hit the side of the barn when we know they're good shooters. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of those we'll watch after practice and go, yeah, that's a good shooter. But mm-hmm. in the game, things get sped up. And so when you've got two or three of them at the same time, how do you lead them out of that? Because right. you need them for a march.
3: I mean, the biggest thing is our philosophy is, like, you t- we we take and shoot open shots, right? I think the shot quality is more important than the misses and makes. Mm. If it's if it's a good shot, you, you have to take them because we're, we not be able, the coach can drop all different plays, but we might not be able to manufacture another great shot or a good shot. And so, if we work really really hard to get open shots, we make extra plays for our teammates. And so, the mentality is, you know, of course, we put in, our guys put in the work. I mean, you guys are there after practice or before practice. They are taking the shots, the game shots, game speeds that they need to. So we have ultimate confidence and faith in them that they're going to step up own their shot, follow through, and believe in themselves and not worry about anything else, right? But it's all about the shot quality. Now, if guys are hunting and we call getting thirsty for shots and taking bad shots, we don't have guys like that on our team, then that's different, right? Then the shot quality goes down. But we are all about, you know, if you don't shoot that open shot, not only are you hurting our team and yourself, but coaching is going to bring you out for turning out open shots. It's just how we play.
0: Uh, th- this week, I read Draymond Green saying, "When Steve Kerr showed up, he said the ball finds the open shooter." Yeah. And Draymond was like, "What? Why wouldn't we just have Steph and Clay shoot all the yeah. shots, but the ball would find them?" Um, so it's, that's an interesting point. Yeah. Last three games with Tatiki Ali Atiki, nine of eleven, eighteen points, twelve boards, four blocks. He seems to be coming
3: along quite nicely. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone you know in this staff and this team knew you know when he first got here, you know, he, Atiki was the victim of you know, in Canada, just COVID, not being able to play for a long time. Like, he couldn't even get on the court. Like, every gym was locked down, right? Like, you know, it wasn't like Utah where everyone's got a gym in their home, right? Like, he didn't have that. Going to the and, church and if your right. bishop's cool with it. And so his, you know, he would send me, him, you know, he his host family, his, his guardians here was his hustle, his high school coach, and they would send me videos. And they'd literally have, like, you know, the backyard hoop that, like, if you shoot a layup, you're going to turn your ankle on the backstop, right? And so <laughs> he was just doing stuff like that. And But he, so... You know, we knew he was going to be a, bit a little bit take a little bit more time, because he hasn't played. He's already started at an a older age, and he didn't get a chance to play games. And so, the more game reps he gets, the, the, the game starts to slow down. He starts to understand, and and there's more opportunities to watch that film with him. And so he's getting better, and he keeps it super simple. Like right, he's going to post strong. He's going to go to his little hook. In defense, he's actually got, he's one of our loudest um, early communicating bigs that we have on the team. In, uh, like, his fourth language. Yep, in his fourth got language. It. Sometimes he's not saying the right thing, but you know what? Like, he's talking, and our guys yeah. hear him, right? And so he's doing that, and he's listening, and, 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 and you know, he, we keep it really simple, and he's following it, right? And at the end of the day, he's really long, and he's athletic, so he's going to do some things that, like, you know, his God-given ability or length athleticism is just going to take over
4: had a chance to cover a lot of heavyweight title fights down in Vegas over the years. So if tonight, you know, we got the guards and everyone knows about their guards and, and your guards. But if we were to have a, a heavyweight matchup between Foose and Masowski, <laughs> what would be the tale of the tape? What's going to be the difference between those two and who has the better game tonight?
3: Um... I'm going to go with Foos. First of all, Foos is really good. Um, second of all, Foos is really good at home. He loves I knew playing, you were going to go
4: with Foos. I, mean, I wasn't was a set-up. He's going to go home, <laughs> But Listen, He's got a big challenge ahead.
3: Mazowski is, you know, he's a vet. Um, he's, he's using the extra year of COVID, so he's older. Foos yeah. is a puppy, right? He's a young puppy out there. Um, but I have the ultimate confidence in, in Foos doing his job. Um, and it's not going to be just Foos, right? Like Foos, Atiki, and Caleb. Um, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the my player in the home with the, body with shots. Home he crowd. can go to the body. That's right. He can go to the body. He, That's where he got him last nice game in San Francisco. I think he, he got him a couple times. A couple of yeah. dunks on his head. So, uh, but most of, like it's a challenge. He's on the scouting port. He's their second or third leading score, and he he knows this league he knows the system and he's super skilled and so it's gonna be a challenge for us. But I'm excited. That'd be a fun matchup. Those two. We're
0: talking about this. The fact that uh, you win 71-69. They go three of twenty-three from three. I guess, what's the conversation like with that particular element where uh, it's like they're probably not going to do that again?
3: Yeah, you know, listen, I believe in the luck factor at times, right? Shots go in, shot, yeah. shots don't go in. It's all about the shot quality. Ken qualities.
0: Palm uh, has like a stat of right. luck,
3: right? No, that's right. And quantify like quantify every it. Every team is on both sides of it. And so I thought we did a fantastic job up there of limiting the amount of threes they usually take. They're way under their average, you know, but the ones – Majority of the ones they took... Right, there were some uncontested or late contested that, like, oh, you dodged the ball, you dodged the ball up. Where we watched that film, we studied that film. How did they get it? You know, what was the breakdown? You know, was it a switch? Was it you know a down screen, pinned down, whatever it was? And so we've watched a ton of that film of how we can be better, um, because that is a point of emphasis. Is we call it being there on the catch, right, making them dribble to a shot. Because you know, I think Bouye is probably their best guy in terms of coming off the bounce, banging a three. Uh, But the other guys, when their feet are set and they're locked and loaded. They shoot, up, they shoot at a high, high rate. So we, ha- we have to do a better job. But I do like the fact the last game, you know, they didn't take it. Like you said, 23. They usually take – they like to get up 35, 43s. Mm, and the important high. thing is they missed the last three. They missed last three. That's and that, exactly that is actually right. his move. Like everyone kind of talked about Lesbos. I'm like, oh, he's going to go left, step back. He's going to go left, step back. Tijon did a great job contesting it. Yeah. But that actually is his he, – he, he's really he's, – you know, he's efficient when he gets there.
0: yeah, and Luka Doncic. Yeah, the that's left right. Step that's back, right. yeah. Well, good luck tonight. Thank let's you. Give you some BYU Sports Nation karma. Appreciate and uh, it. hope for a win here. Let's go. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Chris Burgess, assistant coach for BYU.
2: That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU
0: Radio. 17-6, and six, BYU hosts San Francisco tonight. BYU 17-6. and six. Yeah. It feels like uh, the sky's falling. This team's still doing well. Crews are coming off of two losses last week on the road. Santa Clara, one you can tolerate a little bit, right? A quad one. Eh, quad four Pacifica, uh, not so much. Tonight's game is a quad two at the San Francisco Dons. So, Dave, with seven regular season games left, is tonight an elimination game for BYU's hopes in the NCAA tournament? It feels like it, but it's not. I mean, uh, it feels like it because
4: of what happened last week. But every team has a bad week. And uh, a lot of good teams have bad losses. And BYU got beat by Pacific. That's a bad loss. Santa Clara, not so much. But I think uh, from the psyche standpoint, it probably, the answer would be yes from the psyche standpoint of can this team get the wheels back on and move forward and they've got a whole bunch of games left. We've got a whole month of basketball before we go to Vegas for the tournament where the must-win games are if you're, if you're on the bubble. This one's just a big one. I'd say yes, it's a must-win for the psychology of the ball. It is not a must-win uh, in the reality of things, but man, is it an important game.
0: Must-win always makes me think of this, and I can't remember who said it. You know what was must-win? World War II. Okay? I think it was Brian Regan. <laughs> was it? I think he oh, does okay. a, com-
4: a comedy stand-up of what is a must-win? <laughs> yes.
0: Must-win was World War II, okay? Tonight's not a must-win. But in-, in the, yes, uh, does BYU need this to make the NCAA tournament? No, because BYU has probably three bigger games or more important games than this one left. Let's talk about it. Saturday against Gonzaga. You win that, you have a couple L's that you can still tolerate. a lot of sense. Yes. Uh, Bioi's had worse teams than this, beat Gonzaga, by the way. So th- we'll, we'll talk about this tomorrow in the lead-up to Gonzaga. But tonight is actually, you know, a massive game. San Francisco, uh, good team. St. Mary's has snuck up to 23 in net. 23. That game on the road, uh, coming up soon in February, is a huge game, an opportunity, a quad one on the road. And then the semifinal, assuming Bioi gets there, we're hoping Bio the two. Right. Just goes right there. That game will be a quad one as well with St. Mary's or San Francisco again. And it's later. It's what have you done for me lately. That will be the last win potentially for BYU, barring uh, beating Gonzaga in the championship game if that happens. But um, tonight is certainly big. But I think there are three bigger games left. And then BYU's got to hold serve. Here's the thing, though. BYU probably needs this win as another big win late because you hope BYU doesn't stumble against... Two games with LMU and two games with Pepperdine. There's this weird sequence in the last five after this weekend where BYU plays LMU twice, St. Mary's, LMU, and Pepperdine a total of four times. You hope you don't have a Pacific slip-up. We hope that's the only quad three or four loss sitting there on the schedule. But tonight is certainly big because San Francisco has been better than I thought they would be. At the beginning of the year when they were like 13-1, and I thought, well, I still got to see you in person. I still got to see you in the league. San Francisco's sitting there in a position where they're going to be at least in the NIT, maybe in the tourney. I don't actually believe four will go. I don't know how you feel, Dave. I think three probably will. I think one knocks one of the others out in Vegas. What makes San
4: Francisco dangerous tonight is they didn't shoot well in their home game. And BYU had to claw their way back and and do that. And Caleb Lohner played uh, some of his best minutes of the season late in that game, got a key rebound in the final minute had a couple of buckets um and then and then he's back where he's all over the place um he's got to have he's the kind of guy that's got to have a big game tonight uh, foos has got to have a big game against misalke Masalki because he's huge mm-hmm. and he was good down there um the fact that that the dons can light it up from their guard line, and they didn't in a two-point win for BYU, leads me to believe BYU's going to have to play fantastic defense tonight. Yeah, Because if Bouye and Shabazz come in and they put on a show, then BYU has to counter it with Barcelo, who's going to have five guys guarding him, because that seems to be the thing. And then a couple of other guys who aren't hitting have to start hitting. That's the mystery of, well, after those two losses, can you not play that player, that player, and that player anymore and just go to the bench? No. Because you don't have anybody on the bench. You have to have this guy make shots, this guy make shots. And And that's how you get into the tournament anyway. They could lose to Pepperdine, and they could lose to LMU if they play like they did Saturday. They could beat all those teams. They can win tonight, and they can take Gonzaga to the wire as long as they don't shoot 69% again if they play like they did a couple of weeks ago. So uh, someone wrote me and said, well, this team's terrible. I can't believe we lost those two games. So I thought, you know, a terrible team doesn't win seventeen games yep. against this schedule without their two centers. They they just don't. This is a good team that plays really good at times and plays really bad like last Saturday. Tonight's gotta be a really good time when they get on the floor. Mark Pope's thirty four and three at the Marriott Center. The Rock will be this is this is where do you wanna play San Francisco? Right
0: here, right now, mm-hmm. tonight. Yep, and to your point, uh, we pushed it forward with our question, but to your point, looking backward, BYU can't lose three in a row here because the likelihood is that BYU will lose Saturday right? unless you pull off the big upset. You can't lose four in a row and be like, yeah, everything's great. And Moraga's
4: still, you still got to go still there. still
0: sitting there, yeah. and on paper, that's a better team than BYU, although BYU played really well at home and beat the Gales. That's yeah. going to be a huge and game. And the Gales still have a couple of beatdowns coming. They, they've got <laughs> yes, to they they play, they gotta this play Zags. the Zags twice. Yeah. Yeah, which is crazy. Okay, let's get to our resume update. In the net, BYU stays the same at 33. Ken Palm is 28, which stays the same. Still good numbers. Those are March Madness at-large numbers. Uh, Bracketology, uh, you know, 9 seed currently was an 8. I hate the 8 or 9, but I like being in more than I don't like being in. Um, Linardi, which is different. Basically, Linardi says, here's the seed line, and then Bracketology actually punches it into what Um, you know, would have to come out based on repeats of conference opponents and non-conference games and Sunday play in the case of BYU. So those happen to line up today. Bracken Matrix says 8.6. So right now, sitting pretty. But you can't lose to San Francisco and potentially Gonzaga as well and be like, yeah, we're still good. Like, BYU would probably still be in, but barely, if the Cougars don't win a game this week.
4: It's fun to be a fan, and with fan you have some freedom. Uh, you get to be all the way over here and then in, uh, <laughs> I can't stand this player and he hits a three. Now you're all the way back over here going, that's the greatest whatever, you know, guy I've ever met. Um, and it's, it's, it's the same thing we see it with football. You know, you be 6-0, oh, lose a game. It's like, well, we don't have any players. You know, <laughs> three wins later, we're like, hey, I think we could still get to the promised land. And, and basketball is the same way. And that's what, that's what sports is. It allows us to jump. All over the place in our emotions, the athletes themselves have to be in the middle. Can't get too high, can't get too low. They can't go out there and go, if we don't win tonight, it's over for us. Uh, and they also can't go out there and go, hey, we got them at home. We probably should show up and beat them. So they got to stay in the middle and stay focused. But the fans and the rock and everywhere else, we got to be all over the place. And the viewers of this show, one day we're great. The next day, oh, well, those guys don't know what they're talking about. And that's the freedom of being a fan. And our fans are all over the place. A win tonight will kind of bring everyone back into the middle and then, uh, you know, take a shot. I guess number what, two or number, number four? Number two. Yeah, they are, on yeah. Saturday night. Yeah. But man, tonight's huge. Yeah.
0: The, the last time BYU beat Gonzaga, they were number two as well. Just wanted to mention that. Now, the matchup's And we, are, we
4: got smoked up there just a couple of weeks right? before. So
0: that's lining up, but much more on that coming up <laughs> tomorrow. See, this is naturally a trap game, even though San Francisco's good, because look how many times I just brought up Gonzaga. I know. But we get a. <laughs> hey. That's what fans get to do. Yes, get to go, that's what we, get get we do. We to move right
4: past the schedules to go, when, right. when are we playing USC? That's all that matters. Yes,
0: to me. I take it four games at a
2: time. Let's go. <laughs> the best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation.
0: Happy 70th birthday to this man, Steve Cleveland. Happy birthday, this man. This is our gift. Thank Thanks you, for thank hanging you. out with yeah, us.
5: Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. It was going to eventually happen and it did.
4: Lunch is on Dave. <laughs> 70 years. What was the best year?
5: The best year Oh man, I've had I've had too many best years. <laughs> yeah, I'm just happy to be alive and have pretty good health and be with my family. It's awesome coming up here and visiting my kids and being with you guys.
4: So I got the second fun. row last night. Second so row, that's the best I could get. You're off to a good year. <laughs> yeah, it's off. Maybe that's
0: <laughs> day my best day. <laughs> one day you'll get to the first row. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, BYU plays UC Irvine occasionally. I always think I know a an Irvine anteater. Yes. One exactly. Steve Cleveland. There's not many of them around. With long hair, man. That's <laughs> awesome. Okay, so um the, the best thing is that it's your birthday. The worst thing is that we saw you yesterday, we're like, Hey Cleve, come in and chat about that. what happened. Um so, but we think you have some answers because you've been through the ringer in similar situations, Steve, of teams that succeed at the highest level and then other teams you've got to help out in some way. So what are you seeing from this team the last three games that's been different?
5: I think something that a lot of people haven't talked about is that when you get to the second half of conference play, people make adjustments. And where Foos was getting deep post-touches maybe early on in conference play, all of a sudden he's getting pushed off the block. They're top-siding him. They're making him shoot over them and through them. Everything's contested. That That – Alone is a significant thing because he 's been really, really important to this team in terms of being able to score inside, and it 's been really difficult for him. I think the second thing is a Barcello is so difficult to guard, and but now what 's happening is that they 're switching everything, hard hedging, sometimes trapping him, where he 's got to take the ball back and attack now he can score twenty five points against anybody. The key thing, when they take all of that away, he doesn't get into the seams and it, where people have to help and guys have wide-open threes. And there's been very, very little of that the last three games because of the schemes of, of coaches are doing and preparing for BYU. So it's a diff- they're getting a different look besides the fact that they shot 50% of their free throws and yeah. had a hard time shooting the three ball. I mean, those things all contribute to it. But you got to give a lot of uh, – You have to pay attention to what teams are doing to you and make those adjustments.
4: Now, you inherited a team that had gone 1-25 in before uh, before you got here. You went to three big dances. You won the Coach of the Year in the Mountain West, uh, the 2001 Conference Tournament. I think, is that the only conference tournament? We're still waiting to to (laughs) equal that. You got that going for you. Uh, But I know there were times when you and Dave and your staff looked at each other and thought, what are we going to do with this team? Because it wasn't always rosy, and you had some difficult seasons. Yeah. There were different times in those seasons. What what did you do to to figure it out?
5: You know, I, I think what's really important is your relationships with guys. And I think the, the best teams that I ever coached were kind of player-led. And they have a great leader in Barcello there. That that is the leader of this team. The culture's there; those things are there. I think you have to get one-on-one with these young people. You got to let them know. Watch film. Work. I used to when guys had shooting slumps and things, I'd actually go in the gym and work out with them. I think the relationship between Coach Pope, they've got an amazing staff. But when things are down, you got to reflect on the positive. You you as a coach, you yeah, you have to say, hey, these are the things we got to get better at. But they got to keep believing. And this team is, for me, watching them over the last two and a half years, this is a group, a coaching staff and players that trust each other. Really, there's great continuity in everything that they do. They're doing all the right things. They're going through a difficult time right now. I think you need to be positive, but also in a situation where guys got to believe in themselves. And obviously these last two or three nights, big possessions late in the game.
4: All right, let me ask you this. How lonely of a feeling is it as a coach in a frustrating phase and moment to turn around and look at your bench and there aren't any answers there?
5: Well, I've had a lot of teams like that.
4: <laughs> <laughs> We're not just talking <laughs> Fresno <laughs> State. Some no, of them have I'm,
5: I'm just telling you, man, my whole life I rebuilt programs. So if we started from right. scratch, whether it was high school, junior college, and it is difficult. It is difficult. And you got to have the one thing is they, you got to believe in these. They got to know you believe in them. And no matter whether they miss short shots or they turn it over, you just got, they have to stay positive here because Saturday is going to be difficult. There's no question. But going forward, they have five more games. The most difficult is St. Mary's. Right. They they go to St. Mary's and win and take care of business. They're still a bubble team. They're, they'll have an opportunity to go to the NCAAs. They can't let, last night's loss impact the next six games. They're going to have to play really well to beat Gonzaga. If it happens, great. But there's still a lot of season left. And they go beat St. Mary's at St. Mary's and sweep the table. I I believe they have a great chance to get in the tournament.
0: They had a players-only meeting. How many players-only meetings can you have, I guess? And then when sort of there there is unrest in the locker room and it unravels, how do you ravel that back? Like, is it you know, the players have to, uh, great leadership. It feels like there's great leadership on this yeah. team, but it, it's certainly being challenged right now. And they talk about the best locker room in America. That's kind of come together, and very quickly.
5: And These things are really hard to be the best locker room in America when you've lost three games. It really tests you mentally, physically, and emotionally. And so I think as a coaching staff, you look for the positive and the negative, work through it, but it's hard. I mean, it's really, really hard. And, and I think they have to see the big picture. They can't give up on their goals, getting to the postseason, getting to the tournament. The, the window is still there. And, and if they get stuck on last night or what's happened or stuck on maybe a potential loss tonight, then it'll go south pretty quick. I just don't see that happening with his coaching staff. I mean, I, I have so much respect for Mark and his group. And I think it's a player-led team. I mean, maybe right now there is a little dissension. But they, they lack confidence. You can see that. They missed right. a lot of chippies. When you miss half your free throws at home, man, that's hard. That's hard to digest, yep. and it, it, it gets down. So you've got to keep pumping them up and being positive with them. There's no other approach than that.
4: There was some positive last night in uh, Tiki's play, uh, career highs, and he was a dominant force blocking shots, uh, double figures for the first time. Uh, for a guy who's, who's still figuring it out. But as you look at Atiki and go, that's the center for the next three years, along with, with Foos, um, how do you feel about that?
5: I don't think it's enough. I think if you have Harward and Baxter playing right now, a lot of that stuff at the rim gets taken care of. Mm-hmm. We, we haven't said a whole lot about those two guys not being here, but at the end of the day, that's a different game. It's a different team. Those two freshmen are amazing. I love their energy. They're excited to play every night, and they're going to get better. Hey – when they're juniors, they're going to be in the Big 12.
6: Right. Okay? Right,
5: yep. And you need about six of those guys to compete in the Big 12. It's like one of the coaches said. <laughs> he said, the Big 12, I'll tell you what the Big 12 is like. That's like playing Gonzaga every week. Every week. You know? And, and, yeah. and, and that's kind of
4: what it's like. <laughs> yeah. And
5: so they've got, to have, they've got to have size and athleticism. I love both those guys. I just love their energy and their passion. They're just sweet young men. I mean, they just love the game. And so, yeah, Tiki did play well. And he's bouncy, and I'm not giving up on Foos, but right. everybody goes through it as a freshman. And it's he's gonna, going to it. He's going through mm-hmm. it. And it's not easy. And it's easy to lose their confidence. And that's why coaches and senior leadership has to step in and say, Hey, you're okay, man. Just keep doing what you're doing.
0: Even if is playing well, it's probably unrealistic to expect a win versus Gonzaga. You certainly hope for one. So what do you want to see from this group, given what's going on right now, tomorrow night against the Zags? I, I, I think the, the key thing is, is
4: being
5: strong with the ball, that playing together. You miss shots, you miss shots. Don't get down. You play as hard as you can possibly play in front of those 20,000 fans that will be there tonight. And that's what people appreciate. You you, you know, the likelihood, BYU has a history of beating this team. This is a really special team. You're coming off three losses. I know it's probably not probable, but they've got to play like it is probable, have that confidence, and, and just not give up. I think you see that in some teams and programs. I just don't see this team giving up. I I just don't see it among the coaches. I don't see it among the players. Uh, They have a lot of good leadership. They're going to have to overcome some adversity. Really, to be honest with you, in two and a half, three years, this is the first real adversity this coaching staff has ever had to deal with. Amen.
0: This is the most kind of negative I've felt in three years. They've not
5: experienced that. Now, Coach Pope and his staff, they've been around at at, at every level. They'll deal with this. That's part of what it is. But don't get stuck here and then have it impact the next four or five games. And I just think the staff and Alex and others, Lucas, they've got enough leadership here that they can get through it.
4: I think the challenge with the Zags, too, is BYU's the only team that actually gets their interest up. They're on ESPN Saturday night. <laughs> against true. <laughs> I think they're depressed that BYU's going to the Big 12 because look at the schedule. It's like, well, we beat everybody else all the time by so many points. So they come in too with their focus. They shot 69% against BYU last month.
5: Well, and think about BYU putting up 80 some yeah. at yeah. Gonzaga. Okay, they put up something 80 some. We're going to have a really good game, you know, and they got to be loose. They, gotta be, they can't be tight and tense. And I, I think hopefully there's some quick hitters. There's some ad- adjustments offensively that they can do some things. Uh, they've got to get into seams where guys need to help. If nobody's ever helping defensively, then you're always taking a contested shot. And it's hard to shoot 50% when they're all contested.
0: And what's the matchup where you can get uh, in an advantage where you require the help? That's the question. I, I felt like in the past, Yep, Eric Mika can match up with Karnowski or whatever, right? right? This one, it's tough. You hope the the veteran leadership of Lucas and Barcello can create something there. Because certainly in the front court, they got it on everybody. Literally everybody. Holmgren and Timmy. That's tough.
5: That is tough. But your seniors need to play well. I mean, Barcello, Lucas, they, they, need, they need to step up play yeah. well. and play well. And Gideon looked nervous l-
4: last night. Maybe the starting job yeah, was yeah, a little yeah. much for I mean, more... him. whatever
5: it might be. And I know yeah. Lonard has been a little bit of a struggle, but guys got to keep believing. They got to keep talking positively. There's nothing that comes – there's no good about t- talking negatively here. I mean, you just have to look forward and say, hey, we have the potential. If anything, I'd watch highlights from the Gonzaga game. Before this game, I would probably have 20 clips – of guys making baskets against Gonzaga, even in a loss, so they see and can feel and believe that they can do it again.
4: Your former assistant, Dave Rose, in a tough spell. Uh, what can you tell us? What you know what, I,
5: uh, I talked to his brother. I, I had talked to Cheryl earlier in the week because Kip and I were going to go and see him, yeah. and uh, he had kind of an infection that developed. He ended up going back up to the University of Utah, and uh, I, we're hopeful that he's going to come home Saturday and uh i i just just god bless him and his his family and uh this has been a difficult thing yeah, sure. <laughs> a yeah. really really difficult thing so our prayers are with him he he is a fighter i mean what yeah. look at all the things he's overcome Absolutely. and uh, we love dave we love cheryl and her family and uh god bless them they're in our prayers and but man it, it's it's a struggle there's no question but he's a battler and we hope he, he, he wins another battle here.
0: Absolutely. It's to have you with us. Happy birthday, man. Thanks, man. I know you
4: moved to California to play more golf. Uh, what are you doing for your birthday?
5: Uh... I mean, not a whole lot. I'm with my grandkids. We went to see the Jazz play. That was fun. Right. I said, oh, it looked like a G League game with all the guys out. Yoli, we need you. Let's go. All the protocol. And, uh, in fact, I talked to Danny Ainge, and Danny said that he had been a G League game before. I said, yeah, that looked like a G League He said, oh, I went the night before. <laughs> Yoli was the biggest guy on the floor. And then, then the next night, we got the same thing. So the, the NBA, I love the NBA, and, but it, right now it is really strange. Strange.
0: Yeah, it's very it strange. Have okay, great hey, thanks. Thanks, thanks, man. Thank you. Appreciate Good to be that. With you. This is the best
2: of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday.
4: Cougars lose their third straight game. Falling to San Francisco last night, 73-59. to Alex Barcelo, 25 points. Tough test tomorrow. BYU host number two, Gonzaga. You can listen to that game on BYU
0: Radio at 10 Eastern Time.
4: Whew. Yeah.
0: Cougars are now officially on the bubble. as the eighth team in. Still in the bracket. Those of you that think BYU's out, they're not. Not yet. Uh, according to ESPN's Joe Lenardi, if the Cougars don't upset number two Gonzaga tomorrow night, probably out on Sunday or barely in. So we'll see. Let's go. 16th
4: banked women's basketball team. They suffered their first loss in conference play last night. Just their second loss all season, 75-64 at Portland, which is pretty good. Uh, Shaley Gonzalez had 16 points in the loss. BYU travels to first place Gonzaga to face the Bulldogs at 5 Eastern Time. That's a big one tomorrow as well.
0: Yeah, that was rough. Uh, but hey, maybe they built from that and got woken up in some way, and they're amazing down the stretch. But a huge game uh, tomorrow. Don't fall behind by 14. That's it. they took the lead with two minutes left. Yeah, and then uh, just to hold do. on. We have a top ten men's volleyball matchup tonight. Number nine, BYU hosts number ten, Ball State, who's 5-0. Took down number one, Hawaii, twice recently. Watch it on BYU TV and the app tonight, 9 Eastern time.
4: 18th ranked BYU gymnastics team hosting Boise State. That's tomorrow afternoon, and you can watch it live on BYU TV and the app at 2 Eastern high noon local time.
0: So we'll do three broadcasts in like 26 hours yeah. in the same space. Which is, crazy. Pretty, which is pretty wild. Shout
4: out to everyone at the Smithfield
0: House. Oh, they're awesome. Ashley Hatch, uh, former women's soccer player here, makes the most recent roster for the USA national team, who will play six matches starting in two weeks. She's one of the best, if not the best ever. Michaela be. Kulan's pretty good.
4: Yeah. She may be at the best, though. Yeah. Yeah. Yoli Childs, he was pretty good. Remember he knocked off Gonzaga a couple years ago? I do remember. He that. was awesome that night. He had 31 last night and 12 rebounds, and the Salt Lake City Stars lost. Yeah, against the South Bay Lakers. Same two teams tonight. Good luck to you.
0: 31. Nice. Yeah. Other BYU teams in action this weekend. Track and field spread out in New York and Washington and here uh, at Weber State. Swim and dive continues day two at Air Force and Women's Tennis plays Boise State Micah Simon is signed with the B.C. Lions of the Canadian Football League.
4: Spent time in the early 2021 season with the Carolina Panthers in the training camp. Uh,
0: one of our favorites. We wish him the best up north. And John Beck and Austin Colley had some time with the B.C. Lions. So there was yeah. a kind of a B.O.A. connection there. And B.O.A. Hockey hosts its home games, uh, final home games, as a sanctioned club, an extramural this weekend, both at 9 Eastern and at Peaks Ice Arena in the Utah State Cup. Uh, And as we mentioned, an early rising shout-out to BYU Hockey, who's going to be Cougar Hockey, won't be officially a club. They can still play. It's just they won't be able to have that moniker of uh, BYU after this weekend. The best
2: of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio.
0: Welcome to Signing Day Part 2. Uh, part 1 happened in December. 19 signees for BYU at that point. We now have four so far in. A couple more expected in, uh, this morning. Adding to December's class. So let's meet them. And first up on the O-line is Lysala Thai.
1: What's up, Cougar Nation? My name is Lysala Tai. I'm offensive tackle. Uh, I went to Hawthorne High School. Shout out to my mom and dad and my family. Shout out to my Juco alma mater. Uh, go Badgers. Go Cougs.
0: Zach Erickson and Jan Jorgensen and Tanner Jacobson and the homies produced another BYU Cougar. Now, Lisala Tai was a guy who actually... Uh, signed with BYU out of high school, didn't make it here, went to snow. Now he's coming, which is super exciting. 6'7, originally a three star, had a Big Ten and a Big 12 offer, in addition to BYU and some notable G5s. This guy's going to add to an already beefy, talented offensive line group. And here's what Coach Daryl Funk says on Ty.
2: We're really excited about Lasala joining us, he's a huge kid. I uh, was a former defensive lineman.
5: He's got great feet, and his best football's in in front of him. He's uh, he, he's a big man. He's long. He'll be a really good offensive tackle here. Uh, he uh, he's really he was just learning the game two seasons ago, and he really came on this year and did some great things. So uh, we're excited to have him join the program.
7: Everybody focuses on the lines, right? We. Just mentioned a new offensive lineman. How about we go to the other side and go on the defensive line with a guy named Zoom. Zoom Esplin.
8: I'm Zoom Esplin. I play line. I'm from La Casa High School. And I just want to say thank you to my parents and family.
7: So defensive end, 6'8". 250, as he mentioned, from uh, La Costa Canyon High School in Encinitas, California. Uh, Coach Preston Hadley absolutely loves his height at 6'8". They love what, what they can do with him. He is a mission-first player, mm-hmm. uh, so this is a guy that uh, you probably won't see for a little while. But speaking of Coach Hadley, he, he talked uh, about getting Zoom in the program.
8: Zoom's a, a great combination of size and athleticism and just what he brings to us is just uh, a very unique skill set where uh, he can play either offensive line or defensive line. And, and when we, once we get him in here and, and in the program and lifting and eating, you know we'll be able to better determine what is the best fit for him. Uh, kid who's new to, newer to the game of football and so just his upside is, is a huge upside.
0: His upside is a huge upside. I like that. Okay, yeah, two fifty is a little light, obviously. But yeah, yeah, you get him. He goes on a mission. Let's hope he goes somewhere so where he just gains weight. <laughs> For
8: the eat May, a lot. Maybe, maybe
0: a Pacific island to uh, beef him up or something. You know. But yeah, multi-sport athlete. Excited about. It. And the, what a great name. We can do so much with that. As broadcasters, we love a good name, right? But you would expect, let's
7: be honest, if he's Zoom, receiver. But, receiver if, or DB, or, you know what Or I mean? DB, yes. Yeah, exactly. But I, immediately I think Zoom always yes. got to be a receiver, right? Yes. No. Spe- end.
0: Speaking of DBs, several in this uh, February version of the signing class. We start with Nathaniel Gillis.
8: My name is Nathaniel Gillis. I play cornerback. I went to Steel King High School, and I want to give a shout-out to my parents, Coach Longbone, Coach Gibbons, and go Kooks.
0: Absolutely, six one one seventy four from San Diego uh, comes in. uh, You know, as one, BYU has a a deep defensive back room, specifically at corner. Guys who have been here feels like the freshmen, like Isaiah Heron and Malik Moore, and you know, as safety now. But all these guys were like freshmen in the twenty eighteen Wisconsin game, and now they're going to be seniors this year. So BYU needs to replenish that group. Here's Jernaro Guilford on Nathaniel. Gillis
9: A guy a guy who's about one, a guy who a guy who can also run play play corner, um not afraid to tackle, um again, a guy a guy with ball skills, a guy who loves loves to compete, so he'll bring that to our room. 11 flat 100. Um they BYU with like DB Spencer Linton speed.
0: speed. Eh. Specific, in the 40. Um specifically looks <laughs> specifically looks at um, you know, a certain height, you know, they want six foot plus. Six foot they sub-11. And sub-11. 11. Sub 11, 11 or sub, right? So Nathaniel Gillis, there you go. All
7: right, uh, moving on. Corbin Green, who, by the way, is going to join us coming up in our next segment. Uh, he is one of the newest defensive backs to sign.
9: Corbin Green, cornerback out of Owasso High School. I just want to shout out my mom yeah.
3: for everything. She's got me here. and Y'all go follow me on Instagram at kjg.2.
7: Go Cougs. I love it. Do it. Putting out the social so everybody can follow. Yeah. So six feet, 175 pounds out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Okay. So this Oklahoma. Is, this, this is one of those ones like, oh, Oklahoma. We're not used to seeing a lot of guys coming out of Oklahoma showing up at BYU. Yeah. And it was an interesting story because Coach Guilford said because of relationships that he had made while going on a, a traveling a football camp a couple of years ago with like Josh Heupel, they traveled all around that area. Heupel's and
0: dad ran the camp. Yeah, ran the camp, and, yeah, and they, yeah.
7: he said they yeah. did like fifty camps throughout Oklahoma, parts of Kansas, into Texas. Like fifty straight days. Yes, and it was not like you have a a a place where the camp is held and people come to you. For, and they did that for 50 days. They traveled one day in one city and then went to the next. Mm-hmm. And he says because of those relationships, he was able to, to, to form some relationships with coaches. And when Corbin came available, it was somebody that they wanted to look at. Um, and, you know, this is, this is a guy that had looks from Baylor and Oklahoma. So getting a guy like this, Coach Guilford, very excited.
9: Competitive kid, a track kid from, from uh, Oklahoma. Uh, so, you know, So, we'll, we'll be getting somebody from there, a guy who can run as well, um, another 10 8 kid, a guy who loves who to compete, a guy who's a student of the game, um, but very, very competitive. I
0: love that competition. Uh, I'm excited to talk to Corbin Green as well coming up uh, in the next segment. Okay, next up, this name is completely on brand <laughs> Zion Allen.
8: <laughs> My name is Zion Allen, I play DB. High School, and shout out to my, my mom.
0: Hey, you, listen, like stripling warriors here, you know? They're, they're, they didn't doubt, it. their mothers knew it. Six one one fifty 150 from Stockton, California. A little on the lighter side, they'll beef him up like we talked about. And uh, yeah, he's got the height, he's got the speed. A 10'8, 100 guy. Uh, played corner and wide receiver. Uh, will play DB here. So another guy for
9: Gernaro Guilford to work with. Yeah, Zion Allen, um, a kid who's about six foot, one one sixty, a guy who can really run, um, a guy who ran. I want to say he ran ten eight. So um, he's gonna bring bring speed speed to the room. A guy who has ball skills, um, played both ways in uh, in a high school corner and wide out. So um, that's definitely something that that we that we look for. Um, a guy who can uh, complete the takeaway, but at the same time run with guys.
0: Zoom and Zion, are you kidding me? This is a broadcaster's delight. Now, a note, uh, still waiting on one possible signee today. So five of the uh, hopeful six in. And if the, if there is someone that announced they're coming, perhaps they're a preferred walk-on, right? So there are certain rules about what we can mention, what we can't, but we're very excited to have this big collection of guys. Certainly Built Bar helps kind of change the game sure, in recruiting yeah. with uh, walk-ons and whatnot. Um, you have X amount of preferred walk-ons, then there's actual walk-ons, Uh, The ones that are like, try out like Rudy and try and make the team. That's a different kind of walk-on, right? So, um, exciting to have this class. And to sum it up, 24 signees so far. uh, Perhaps another one like we talked about. December highlights, Kingsley, Suamata-ia. Perhaps the starting left tackle, right tackle, Oregon transfer, five-star. Some of the highlights, Cody Hagan, 5A MVP in Utah, type receiver in the state. He had 200 catches and almost 4,000 yards in college. Uh, in high school. 51 TDs at Corner Canyon. Are you kidding it. me? I'll take it. Are you kidding me? That,
7: that, he's going to immediately – tran- that translates over to 51 touchdowns next season for BYU. <laughs>
0: exactly. We still don't know if he's going to come uh, this far going on a mission first. Correct. Still, yeah, still up in that. the air whether or not he's going to be on the and roster. And he told us, hey, I need to see basically who leaves from BYU. And Neil, you know, left, and uh, we're kind of waiting to see what that means. And then Isaiah Moa, Utah's top defensive line prospect – is in that group as well, among many other talented players. So, an exciting class again, Jason.
2: The best of BYU Sports Nation will be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation.
0: Eight days ago... BYU was 17-4 and, and feeling pretty good. Then one-point loss to Santa Clara, three-point loss to Pacific, and then last night's 14-point loss to USF have sent this team spiraling downward. Mark Pope says the team is being tested in this current stretch.
10: You know, we're just in a place where we just got to, you know, we got to go find some answers. Um, the game is really, really testing us right now. And, it, you know, it's, you know, that it, it, it happens. Um, and right now we're getting tested and, and um we're having to kind of continue to see if we can, you know, if we're going to fragment apart or pull together. And, and uh, I got a lot of faith in my guys that they'll, that they'll answer that test.
0: Tested is the operative word here. So, Dave, what's your greatest concern with Cougar Hoops right now? You know,
4: watching it last night and, and Pacific and Santa Clara and comparing it to what we've seen all season, I, I've been surprised at how fast they have lost their identity. Like, I'm not even sure what they do on offense outside of trying to get Alex Barcelo open, and we saw some shots being taken. And Chris Burgess was here yesterday talking about, well, it's an offense where you shoot the open shot. But we saw some guys shoot shots that had no business shooting those shots when they shot those shots at key parts of the game, especially when BYU got down to 8 after being back uh, behind by 21. Um, and it's just like, what? They call a timeout, and everyone looks a little lost. And uh, there's even a different look to Mark Pope. Um, and we'll ask Steve Cleveland about this in in a couple of moments as to how you put Humpty Dumpty back together again. But I'm was I'm Humpty just surprised Dumpy? he fell. <laughs> yeah, and there was so much
0: collateral damage. Right? There's yeah. there's a lot of uh, you know eggs sitting there that you're like, where'd this come from? It's just really weird how quickly this has happened. Yeah. And uh, you're right. There, there's there's a lack of juice, there's a lack of kind of mojo and confidence that we've seen in amazing ways this season. Even without Gavin Baxter and Richard Harwood, this team got to 17 and four. You know, got as high as, what, 12th in the AP poll early in the season after the Oregon um, loss. We're a long ways away from the the Oregon win. We're a long ways away from that. Um, It it, it felt very weird last night because even after being down 21, BYU gets it down to 8. Tijon Lucas, who's one of the best free throw shooters BYU has, AB and then Tijon, he he grazes the iron twice. He had an air ball in the first half from the free throw line. Horrible game. Something's going on there. And and something happened after the Santa Clara game. It's super obvious. Something happened after that game where this team lost something. I don't know what it is, but the best locker room in America has to be that to get over this. It doesn't feel like it is right now, and it feels like BYU took out its frustration and anger on San Francisco in the form of three technicals last night. Right. Yes, those were moments where BY's fired up. It was bigger than the San Francisco game. BYU's got to rediscover what they had before, it's, it's on the court on offense, and then some form of trusting each other uh, off the court as well. I thought the way the game started, Alex Barcella, was, uh, hey,
4: this is, this is how we're going to be. We're going to fight uh, that's kind of been their mantra the whole season is that this is a team of fighters. Mm-hmm. And so they've overachieved with 17 wins because they, they outfought teams. They outfought San Diego State. They blew out Oregon. But there were some games where they just, they just fought harder, fought harder on the glass. They, they didn't fight the last three games. Uh, and they showed some fight. I, I, I said last night, I, you know, the, the Cougars showed some toughness last night, mixed in with some of the worst basketball we've seen all season. And that's kind of, instead of just a fight the whole time, it's we're going we're gonna to fight like they came out of the gate and what up 12-4.
0: Yep, uh, A-B scores the first
4: eight. Yeah, yeah. and then San Francisco comes back. And I thought, as I saw this, I thought, well, they just withstood everything we had. Because then we went dormant, and they went on a huge run. Plus 29 at yeah. one point. And, and then it was over. Then the game was over. Even yes. though we made a run and got it to in the second half. It was
0: still it, over. Yes. It was over. I think BYU might have lost the game before it started. We just didn't know it at the time. Yeah. And what's funny is it wasn't like Billy got blown out or worked last week. It was a one-point loss and a three-point loss. But that unraveled something that we didn't know was easily unravelable. Um, that's not even a word. But, um, it is today. <laughs> it is today. <laughs> you just had uh, L-Y. It's an adverb. Uh, you talked about identity and the loss of that. Here's Mark Pope on how the team is struggling with that.
10: For whatever reason, right now, it's been super hard for us to kind of know us on the offensive end and consistently be us. Uh, it, you know, we're thinking maybe it's it's some some mashup stuff. We're thinking maybe it's some anticipated growth stuff that's not not quite caught up. We're thinking about it's it's clearly you know on me a lot of it's con- uh, communication issues, and um, but we got to figure that out because it's not, it's just not ah, it's just not us, and it's not it's not going to be good enough for us to be successful
0: it's and it's it's not, and um, you know Gonzaga's sitting there tomorrow, Dave. Now, you could argue, hey, if you can find a way to beat gonzaga you you have you have covered the sins of the last three games, certainly, right. It just feels like that's a tall task, given where this team's at the last three games
4: yeah, i mean the the optimist would say, uh, and it's been proven almost every night in college basketball that somebody rises up and surprises somebody. Uh, Pacific was a three hundred and three in the net. And they rose up and beat BYU, and, and no one saw that coming. Um, you know, Gonzaga's not Pacific, but it's just the opposite. People aren't going to expect BYU to do this to, to Gonzaga, which they have done before. Um, with
0: worse teams, with, which yeah, is with, interesting. With, like, <laughs> with NIT teams. Yeah. This team is currently an NCAA tournament team. It may become an NIT team. We hope not. But uh, it's trending that direction, which is the bad yeah. news. So, I, in those games, Dave, I felt like when BYU went, they at least matched up in some form or had some advantage. I don't know what the advantage is for BYU over uh, Gonzaga, other than, like, a great crowd, right, which right. gives you a lot of juice. But ultimately, you've got to make shots and defend and rebound and make free throws. So, uh, the front court certainly, like, what, what happened to Foose? Last couple of games. Atiki's playing nice, yeah. which is great. Career high 10 He's last playing night. playing his best. Um, or did he have 12? But what happened to Foose? What happened to a low post catch? What happened? I don't know how BYU could possibly match up with Chet Holmgren and Drew Timmy given what we've seen the last couple of games.
4: You know, a couple of weeks ago when they were up there, they shot 42%, 44%. Maybe their best game of the year shooting the basketball.
0: gave <laughs>
4: Gonzaga shot 69-something <laughs> point something percent, and, then, and that game was over yep. uh, early. Even though BYU was going inside and they were hitting outside shots, which they didn't do either last night except for Barcelo. Um, and I, I don't know. You know, the, a couple of times they went into Foos and uh, – Masalski who dominated everything down there uh, knocked the ball away and then they didn't go down there anymore. Yeah. And so and and with Atiki he had a big game last night but every time he scores everyone's like <gasps> pleasantly surprised yes. as opposed to feed the post that's two points. Yes. And so that's the difference with Gonzaga and BYU they they feed the post to their all-American Timmy and they expect he's either going to get fouled or he's going to score. BYU feeds the post with these guys who are young and getting better and it's like <gasps> Are you going to pass it back out or are you going to shoot it? Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm not so sure they know even at, at that moment. Um, uh, I thought Atiki showed great signs last night that he's, he's heading that way. We've seen games. that out of Foos. Yeah. Um, Foos might have hit a freshman wall. Sometimes Perhaps. we see guys do that. But, but they, Foos was a non factor, and Atiki made himself a factor when he made three straight baskets. But then it was like, we'll just go back to him. And it's okay, we did three there. Let's try some other stuff. And then we had, uh, you know, an air ball from the corner. And uh, Spencer Johnson missed three shots that had to go in that, that, that weren't even close. And, and uh, you know, Z- Yoli, we mentioned him a moment ago, that feed the post. Feed Yoli. He's going to score or get fouled. Yep. That's the difference between our interior game today against Gonzaga going tomorrow and, and what our inside game was when we beat Gonzaga when they were number two here a couple years ago.
0: It could be the best thing ever to have Gonzaga if BYU somehow miraculously pulls it off. It could also be the worst thing ever. Um, here's Mark Pope on the matchup with Gonzaga tomorrow night.
10: You know, We've got, we got a ton of season left. We have a lot of great performances under our belt. we just got to find a way to like overcome... Uh, this this really really tough. It's been a really tough three, three game stretch for us. Unfortunately, we have a you know a little bit of a lightweight team coming in here Saturday.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Okay, let's talk about what's ahead for BYU. So after Saturday, let's hope BYU wins. If They don't not you know not the end of the world. We'll be back here Monday. We'll be back here Monday. Monday. <laughs> exactly. Uh, BYU's got LMU and Pepperdine, St. Mary's, LMU and Pepperdine. Okay, you you need to win four of those five. You probably need to win in Moraga to get into the NCAA tournament. Maybe not. Maybe you need that. Or beat him in s- Vegas, but you're to have in Vegas. to beat him. The yeah. fear now for BYU is that you are like the four seed, and you're matching up with Gonzaga in the semis now, and now you don't have that semi to get you another win for the NCAA tournament. This is the best of
2: BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation.
0: Let's welcome in the head coach of the BYU Cougars, Kalani Sitake, who always places the fans with Navy and Royal combined.
1: What's up, Kalani? <laughs> well, I was about to say, what a great introduction. You guys talking about being old. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Speaking Maybe of... Maybe this is an old move, the, the yeah. Royal with the Navy, but... It's on the polo. Yeah. There's a stripes here that are. That it are looks royal, good. So.
0: Speaking of, uh, we have a gift for you. you. You didn't know this, but this is actually a baby shower. So since oh, wow. you and Timberly are so, expecting some baby wipes, we got some uh, newborn diapers some and some wipes. So thanks guys, congratulations! Look, guys. What a great reminder.
1: You Couldn't find anything blue.
0: <laughs> I, I thought about that. I was in a hurry. with No, the I'm.
1: Snow. I'm jo- hey, thank you so much, and, and yeah. for everyone that uh, you know. The jokes and all that—I I get it. I'm, I'm an old dad, but surprise—we're uh, we're, going to keep dancing and, and try to get, get some more wins out there.
0: I thought Timberly, uh, when she posted on Facebook,
1: you know, uh, the ultrasound. She said, "Plot twist." That <laughs> yeah. was well phrased. Well, I, I, she didn't tell me that she was going to do that, and so all of a sudden, I just started receiving a bunch of text messages. And so I figured something happened, and I mean, my kids put it on TikTok, and uh, nothing's ever. Uh, private anymore. more what do
7: what do the kids think of having a new sibling
1: yeah they're excited i i mean i i mean i think when baby comes uh the kids will be 18 15 and 12 so um a lot of babysitters and almost two drivers, so that should be really helpful. Yeah, you yes, should never will, have to pay for babysitters help. again. Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm banking on that.
0: <laughs> well, Claudia, thanks for coming in. No, I'm just kidding. Um let's <laughs> talk about the guys uh that you've signed today and we're still waiting on one uh, hopeful guy but uh you went D B heavy with the February guys. That was mm-hmm. that was a need given I guess the room. I'm gonna graduate here in a year yeah. or two.
1: Yeah and I think the uh I, I'm I'm really happy with how our coaches dealt with the recruiting and, and Getting to know um, these gentlemen and the, the players, and not just what they do on the football field, but it's, it's uh, what they're all about, and being able to meet their families and their parents, it, it was really cool for us to see that they'll be a great fit for our program, and they uh, they they really uh, enjoy what BYU is all about. And uh, you, I mean, you, you already spoke to, to Corbin, so you'll see that that the, the uh, uh, these young men, I think they'll they'll do a great job repping the Y for us.
7: Durbin was awesome, man. He, he was, was fantastic, man. and he's going to go out and help continue to recruit that area, which which is fun. And look, the, the Big 12 line of questioning is not going to go away, and that's a good thing because, you know, obviously with everybody moving into the Big 12 in 2023, how much of an added advantage does that give you when you go into somebody's house that now that's part of the recruiting pitch?
1: Well, I think just the fact that it's a P5 conference, you've taken away some of the uh, negative recruiting parts for us and, and uh and then it just gets down to what they want to approach because it really that's a big part of um, other schools trying to recruit against us is that they say that we're in, we're not a P5 program and now we are. Even though we felt like we operated one, as one and had the schedule, Had we definitely have the fan base. And so uh, it just seems like this is a perfect fit and uh, away we go. We'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, it's so fun. And talking to Corbin about being <clears throat> in Oklahoma, being in that footprint, very exciting. But I do want to ask you, okay, so you get into the Big 12, you want to win Big 12 championships. What kind of recruiting differences do you need to make, if any, being in the Big 12? Because it feels like being BYU, you'll always try and get the top members of the church um, and then other kids who fit. Do you have to change much? Um, Do you have to change where you recruit much when you're in the Big 12?
1: Well, I think there's just a strong sense, sense of urgency uh, throughout the whole program and the the department the athletic department and um, I think that everybody knows that there's there's a uh, there's going to be a strong push to everyone to develop faster and so um, you know we don't have a very patient fan base and we don't have a very patient head coach either so uh, we, want, we want to be uh, up and running and, and, and making sure that we we 're doing things the right way this twenty two season it's be really important for us to learn from some of the things that we did well and some of the things that we didn't do well from twenty one and uh, but this also will help springboard us into twenty three and so that's going to be the key for us is uh keep building on that the that, that, the urgency but also the expectations that's out there we We look forward to, to matching it.
0: The development will always play a role in this program, and you can you can look at guys like Tyler Algiers being one of the most, you know, came out of nowhere, developed, oh, my gosh, guys in program history. Um, that that will be awesome. Will the transfer portal play a bigger role in this situation where, hey, we're not in it to hopefully be good in a couple of years. We want to be good now, like more pukas, if you will.
1: Well, I think the, the key is is what is the reason why they're in the transfer portal uh, and does it fit and line up with what we expect them to do here at BYU the mission, the values that we have, and and um, the expectations of, of who they're going to be as a student-athlete. If if it matches up, then, then away we go. And we had uh, you know a good number of those. I think you look at – we had four last year, the Nakua's, and then you had Jacob Robinson and Caleb Hayes, and uh, they worked out really well. And, but those are the ones that we had relationships before in recruiting. Uh, I don't know if we're going to get into this bidding war for people, uh, but I think if they want to be a part of a strong network and a wonderful fan base – uh, that that's a, a big enough draw itself.
0: What's the bid? NIL-ish stuff in a bidding war?
1: Yeah, I think everybody's using NIL as as, a, as the case to be here. And for what we're doing is uh, I think the biggest asset we have here are the people. Uh, I think, You know, looking at the fan base and looking at the people that you get to work with, the faculty, the staff, and when uh, these young men bring their families and they come on their, their official visit, the retention rate is really good for those that attend uh, on official visit and commit and sign. And so I think they can see themselves being part of a challenging academic um, uh, uh, school and and getting a, a a degree that means something, and then uh, also seeing the mentoring that they'll get from a lot of different places from you know within the the university, but also the the connections and the relationship they have with the fans.
7: We referenced with Corbin, he was you know, talking about, it. I'm going to start a pipeline, trying to get more guys from Oklahoma. Maybe it's the fact that we're just more aware of it because of social media. We see more of it now. But how has recruits helping to recruit other players and guys they want to play with, and hey, I love this, why don't you come play here? How much has that changed over the years? Well, Are th- we just
1: more aware of it now? No, I, think that, I think you're right that, that the, uh, it's become more um, prevalent now. And, and for us, it's Actually, a big part of what we can get done, everybody who has the, the fancy ways to recruit, and when it gets down to the, the, the core of it all, it's the, the ambassadors that actually do the recruiting, it's the young men that are in our program, um, and they talk about their relationship with their position coaches, the head coach, uh, everybody in the support staff, all that stuff matters, and uh, you really can't fake it when you, when you start talking to players that are actually on the team.
0: We're talking to the head football coach of BYU, Kalani Satake. In your new deal with BYU, you talked about you want more support staff. Um, is the recruiting uh, staff going to be bigger to accommodate the needs of the Big 12?
1: Well, the, the more resources and more support staff, it's all recruiting. So everybody in that building is going to be part of recruiting, uh, whether their uh, title says so or not. That that's that's kind of the common bond that every part of the the uh, Football department has is that the recruiting is going to going to have a, a high priority in what we get done every day.
7: So we were talking about this yesterday, and it, it almost didn't feel real until it came out of my mouth. Once we hit February, we we're like, oh my goodness, spring football this month! Like it's happening in just a couple of weeks. What's the plan between now and then? And and what's what do you look forward to at the end of the month when spring football starts?
1: Yeah, I, I think um, every year is, is different, so we're we're not going to just operate. Uh, like we did last year, because we're a different team, just like we were the year before when we had Zach. You know, we're, we we were in a quarterback battle. Um, we want to see our all our guys compete. So there's no set, nothing set in stone when it comes to starting spots. Anybody can get a starting spot uh, with, with hard work and uh, getting their opportunities. But um, I think it's important for us to challenge our guys and, and look at how we can become a better team in August is the main goal. And I've... Always felt like um, there's this this strong pressure to get the team game ready for the fans to see in spring, and uh, that's uh, that's not the, the path I'm going to go this year. I think for us is development, get better, stronger, and get healthier, and then let's get to the season. But uh, we'll still take advantage of young guys. Development means a lot of the young guys need to really perform, and a lot of these guys got back from missions. They they need to get out there and, and hit a little bit, but within reason too. We're not looking to try to hurt everybody either. We we need to get better and. And better means everybody is healthy as many healthy bodies as we can entering the fall camp.
0: are there any positions that you still want to mine the transfer portal between now and when the season starts
1: and do you hold a few spots just in case yeah so we're always going to have some extra spots and then when you're dealing with the numbers that we're, we're dealing with in covid uh, the extra eligibility year and guys on the missions uh, we're, every spot on our on our roster is really important, and so looking at the missionaries that are coming home in the, in the spring and summer and seeing the type of shape they're going to be in, giving them options on whether it's better for us numbers-wise and also position and depth-wise for them, and also for them as, a, as an individual player to be ready to go in fall camp or better for them to work out, gray shirt, and start in January. Uh, we're going to figure all that out in the next little bit. Um, and then anytime you go to the transfer portal, things like that, they have to be a, a good fit for our program. Sure. And obviously it has to make sense for them being on the field as well. Do you know who Big Game Boomer is? Are you aware of this social media account? I have no idea what that is. I, I don't have a strong social media that, um, presence. That,
7: that's, so. why we're, that's why we're bringing this up, because Big Game Boomer likes to come out with these lists all okay. the time. And qu- quite honestly, BYU fares very, very well in this. Uh, but he came out uh, the other day with the, the basically the best follows, the top 50 follows, and, and you were not in the top 50. So we were wondering if, you're gonna like, <laughs> if you need to up the Twitter game a little bit.
1: Well, I, I think I think I like to think I have a pretty good uh, sense of humor, um, but I just don't have the time to do all that. I, I, Why? I, What's up? I, I'm I just, just kidding. I don't really like staring <laughs> at, at the screen as much as others do, and and. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm okay if you don't tweet a lot. I'm assuming you're doing important other things. Yeah, I'll let I'll let the uh, the quick witted people like Fessy and other coaches do that stuff. <laughs>
0: yeah, but but Fessy.
7: you Fessy you, you did it. you were on the list of the most likable head coaches, and I Num-
1: can't
0: number twelve. Number twelve. Is that okay with you?
1: Yeah, I, I think that's because I'm not. Uh, I don't have a heavy uh, presence, in, in a strong presence in <laughs> social unknown. media. We <laughs> 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 don't know. Yeah.
0: Uh, by the way, how was Galantine's day with the BYU women's coaches?
1: Awesome. It looked, it, it looked was, like a party. I'm so fortunate to be in this position because I get to meet great people and um, these wonderful coaches. They, they mentor me, and so I, I know, uh, whether you say I'm well-liked by a lot of people, but I, I I benefit from having great people that are willing to share uh, what they do with their culture and their teams. It's it's the it's what we get to enjoy here at BYU, and so to be around wonderful coaches like that, and, and to have um, Diljit and the others include me. I've, I've been trying to. I mean, I, I was just asking, like, hey, do you have to be a, a female to be in these breakfasts? You know, I like, can, <laughs> can I come? I, I like to eat. You know, can say, we hang what, out? <laughs> what was the appearance
0: fee? Apparently, you just wanted to be there. for What was breakfast so. this morning? I
1: was, I was just, a, I was just a guest, and so yeah. for me, it was. But the, it was such a good moment for me to hear um, all those coaches just speak about their teams, and you incredible tell they, coaches. They love their, they love their student athletes, and um, what a great example they are to me. And and they, they have made me a better person just being around them and, and allowing them to to just share their, their thoughts and their philosophies with me. It's been, it's been awesome.
0: You combined with several of them to form the number one athletic program in the country after the fall, according to the Learfield rankings. Did you see that? You're always number that. one in yeah, the country. I saw
1: that. And, and I mean, great leadership from our administration, athletic administration, obviously Tom and, and his staff and, uh, you know, President Worth has done an amazing job with, with our vice president, Keith Ward King. And so we're, it's it's really good, but I I could tell you this that the reason why it works really well is because of the fans, uh, the fans are awesome, uh, and and they make this whole thing roll, and and uh, they, you know, I, I'm really really honored to be here, and I am a fan too, so it works out.
0: And we can't mention the player's name because uh, you know, uh, not not announced, but a group of BYU fans showed up at a at a players signing uh, this morning, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's yeah, well, pretty cool. The
1: the. the the fans show up to a lot of different things, and they and they they um, they know what they're talking about, and they, they recognize people, and uh, and so you know I, I, I get this all the time where fans will say, hey, "Coach, do you mind if if we take a picture?" And Listen, just to so all the fans, if you want to take a picture with me, ask. I, I, I'm I'm my goal is to have everybody have a picture with me, so no one's asking anymore. But I really <laughs> enjoy I enjoy interacting with all the fans. I, I have a lot of fun doing that. I remember when I was younger and and got to meet Lavelle, it meant a lot to me. And so I, hopefully I can just have some cool interaction. But plus I learned a lot of cool things from the fans as well and get to hear their story and, and how, how much they love BYU and BYU football. And so uh, if they ever want to take a picture, let's do it. I, I may not look my best, but... I can tell you right now, it's not going to look any better, so you might as well get the picture with me now.
0: <laughs> you may have people waiting for you outside now. Let's
1: go. I'm, yeah. I'm all, all, all uh, for it.
0: And good luck. Uh, I think there's, I don't know
1: how many diapers. 30,
0: yeah, there's 31. There's 31. There. We're going to need you to make these last. That lasts so. you five days. So, uh, yeah,
1: I, yeah, good luck. I'm not the expert at this, but I, I'm all about effort. I'll give it a try. <laughs>
0: You're going to shake off some rust there. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah definitely. Thanks, Glenn. Well, my, my wife does a great job at it, so she's, it makes my life She's first-team all-wife. She she's is. fantastic. Yep. Yeah, I'm lucky. Yep. Appreciate it, Coach. Thanks for stopping by. Appreciate you guys. Go Cougs. We'll be right back
2: with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday.
0: Yeah, okay, after losses at Santa Clara, now Pacific BYU seventeen and six, five and three in the WCC. First back to back losses in the regular season under Mark Pope. First uh, quad three or quad four under uh, you know Mark Pope loss. It took two plus years. Yeah. Okay, here's the question we're going to discuss: Do you believe BYU will still get the two seed in Vegas at the West Coast Conference tournament? I, th-
11: I think they. I think they still will. And and the reason I started looking at the schedules because the St. Mary's that they're they're chasing right and and mind you I realized they just went out Santa Clara is not an awful awful loss on the road right. so it's surprising right. but, but Pacific's just it's just a terrible loss yes a- it, let's call it what it is it's they're really on right. a seven game losing streak and and BYU just didn't figure out how to play with any intensity to the end of the game and then they almost go back and win it they played in that with half that intensity all game they blow that team out so I think mm. they're gonna find themselves though and and. Remember, St. Mary's has already had three games postponed because of COVID, Yeah, so I'm not sure they're going to make all of those up. I think it's going to come right down to the wire, and BYU's either going to win the tiebreaker to take the two-seed with St. Mary's by virtue of head-to-head play, yeah. or it may be... By winning percentage, they may end up with the same number of losses in the loss column, but because of winning percentage, because BYU's only had one game canceled, we yeah. don't know whether they'll make that
0: up against Portland. And that's the first thing they right. look so, at so they could
11: 9%. It could be another game that makes a difference. I don't know that St. Mary's is going to get all three of those games rescheduled. So, so we'll, we'll see. I believe that they're going to find themselves, because I think it's easier to find defense and rebounding, which is what they lost this last week, than it is to figure out how to get back scoring big time. I think they'll find their defense in the rebounding. This week's a rough week. They need a split this week. If they split, split this week... I believe they'll be the two seed when it comes to WCC tournament time.
0: And naturally, I'd think San Francisco win Thursday and then uh, Saturday, Gonzaga. A yeah. loss unless you pull off this massive upset. That'd be amazing. That, yeah. That'd that be great. If you if you go sweep this week? <laughs> if you go sweep this then, week, wait, we, it, took, we don't care about we, last we took, week. We took
11: the bar from here, right? Yeah. And now we're like, okay, now the bar's here. Now they, if they sweep this week, we're like, oh, that was a giant aberration. This is the bar now, right?
0: Yes. Because what we hope is that last week was just an off week and not the start of something uh, worse, Because I said a few weeks ago, I felt like BYU was overachieving, Blaine. They were figuring out, to their credit, how to win without Gavin Baxter and Richard Harwood, And they were doing it with the senior backcourt and an excellent role players, great defense, rebounding like you talked about. So, yeah, that quad four showed up. The, the, trust has been broken a little bit here mm-hmm. with this group because the last two years we didn't have a single one of those. Not a single one. So it was like, oh, you know what BYU doesn't do? They don't have a bad loss. So that means BYU is going to be a tourney team. BYU is still going to be a tourney team, and I- I'm with you. I still think they get the two-seed, but it's going to be a challenge because you have San Francisco, you have Gonzaga, you have at St. Mary's. But then you finish four of the last five with LMU Pepperdine, Gonzaga, or uh, sorry, there's uh, St. Mary's, LMU Pepperdine. Right. So there's ho- you hope you win all four of those, and then you probably need to uh, you know hold serve with San Francisco at home. And then that at, at St. Mary's game, you can't drop another right, right. Pacific time. No, no, you no. cannot. Right. If you want the two seed, a reminder: the two seed gets all the way to the semifinal. Yeah. The, the margin for error is really, really small. Now, as a result of last week, yes. And remember,
11: St. Mary's is five and one in the league right now, and BYU is, is five and three. So they're two games behind. St. Mary's
0: should be four and two. Right. They right. were down twenty three to San Francisco and came back in yeah. one. Yeah. So second biggest comeback in the WCC since. BYU on it, right? 24th. So they show
11: they show some great toughness there, but but remember, St. Mary's still has to play Gonzaga twice. Yes, BYU only has to play them once. They have yes. to play BYU again, mm-hmm. so you have a head to head there. That's why I feel like this thing will level out.
0: Yes. So Thursday is huge that way because BYU, BYU's got to beat San Francisco Thursday, right? If BYU doesn't, I'm going eh, probably three. Yeah, and
11: I'm I, four. And here's the thing with San Francisco, they have the same number of loss. They're they're four and three, right? So they're they're, they're the same in the loss column as BYU. I didn't even mention them because yeah. If, if, if BYU's not the two, they might be the four. Well, here, and it, here, it isn't
0: just two or three, it's two or because they drop all the way to the four. And here's the thing two or three doesn't really matter as it pertains to seating, really. You're going to m- end up in that, uh, you know, ho- you hope semifinal. You just had, you would have to win a quarterfinal to get there, whereas the two, you're the semifinal sitting there. But if you want to be comfortably in the bracket, BYU, you've got to win Thursday. Yep. And you can't lose to LMU and Pepperdine. You don't have to win at St. Mary's, I don't think. But if you beat San Francisco. Uh, you're probably in a pretty good spot to make yeah. the tourney. And I would rather be a 10 or 11 than 8 or 9, honestly. Right. So I'm not that worried about BYU in the NCAA tournament. But it is concerning because what we don't want to happen here, Blaine, is see cracks in the dam with the, the Santa Clara and Pacific losses. What we want to see is, nope, BYU shorted up. A couple of stats here uh, of note. BYU owned four when giving up 76-plus. Right. So that's concerning. Can't, the, the offense can't overcome that, um, it, it would appear sometimes. And four and five when giving up 70-plus. That's a concerning number. This team's offense is good, but it's not great. The defense is really good, but there's been a few few cracks, as we mentioned right there.
11: Yeah, And, and Mark Pope talked about, um, after this week, when, when he uh, met with the press, his first comment was, we just lost our edge defensively. And, and he felt like they were playing at an elite level defensively and rebounding. And and frankly, the the opposing coaches that I have talked to in shoot-arounds getting ready to do the games we've done this season, they always start with that. Mm -hmm. Man, BYU is so different. They are really good defensively, and man, can they rebound. We're going to have to try to compete on the boards over and over again. I've heard that all year long. And then that went away last week. To me, that's a fixable thing. Right, so more fixable than shooting. Yeah, because sometimes shooting just comes and goes. And, and my feeling, why, yeah. why I thought BYU was going to coast into that number two spot was, I thought, well, they can go on the road and not shoot it well, but still win. Because they're that good defensively. Yes. If they'd come home with a pair of wins. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Then you're, you're huge pretty.
11: disappointment that for some reason their defense their rebounding didn't travel. Yeah. And a lot of it was um, a lack of, of good rotations, which means a lack of communication on the back line. Too many people getting to the rim and getting easy shots. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, BYU missed some wide open shots because they were doubling Barcelo. The guys need to knock down. But, but that's BYU's whole identity up to this point in the season was, doesn't really matter whether we knock those shots down. What matters is... We get every guy down. Every other team down the floor gets a one and done because we're rebounding the ball. Yes. We're getting second opportunities. Yes. We don't have to shoot a great percentage, and we'll defend the heck out of people. And then they lost that identity last week. They got to get that back. But I feel like that's something you can get back.
0: You have to get it Thursday. Yep, huge, huge week with San Francisco and Gonzaga on Thursday and Saturday. Join
2: the conversation twenty four seven on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook <laughs> using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports.
0: This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. So uh, on signing day, Preston Hadley, uh, defensive ends uh, coach for BYU football, was asked about Recruiting and stars and whatnot and and you know ratings of classes. Here's what he had to say.
8: You know, we're gonna continue to be uh, Try and be the best at evaluating that we can, but we're gonna just continue to elevate and and Just focus on our own evaluation. We're not gonna go chasing stars, you know So I know everyone gets all worked up about recruiting class and everything But you know those those don't always correlate and at least not with us. I can't speak for other programs
0: Okay, so let's break that down because I think the average fan would be like, well, yes, the signing class ranking matters. The Yes, we would like more four stars than none. So um, what he's saying is certainly, uh, I believe, as well relative to BYU, which is, hey, this is a unique place. It's got to be a great fit, obviously, with the honor code and whatnot. But the no chasing stars part, what do you make of that? The stars thing is strange when there's so many stars. You know, look up in the sky. There's stars
4: everywhere. Um, the rating systems are, are strange. Uh, Jacob Conover was a five-star, announced he was going on a mission, suddenly dropped to a four-star. Uh, did that make him any less of a player? Why isn't he still a five-star? Well, he's not going on the market for two years or whatever. He said no to Alabama, so we're going to lower him a star. Um, so it's hard to know what the stars mean outside of, outside of they give you hype. Kingsley, five-star. All right. how, how, how the, the drum has been sounded since he decided he was transferring from Oregon because, well, he's a five-star. Um, so you get a lot of hype that way, and I think Preston's response uh, is the general response of, hey, uh, where are all the stars? Not where are the star players. It's where are the stars off to the side, and why don't we have five stars? And, and, and a lot of those aren't going to come here. And I, I think his point was, at BYU, it's about getting the best you can, but you've got to develop, and, and, and Tyler Algier and – and Tyler will- and and uh, and Wilgar and you just go down the line. Zach Wilson uh, goes from Dax three Mil- star
0: to second pick.
4: Yeah, Dax Mill and walk yep. developed. Went yep. to the pros. Wilgar walk on developed. Algier walk on developed. I think that's kind of what he was saying is look, BYU's in the development business. You got to go get the best Latter Day Saint athletes out there. Period. And Kalani made that perfectly clear. That mm-hmm. was the number one priority. And then you got to get the best that will fit your program. After that, and uh, if they have a four and a five star next to him, nice. And if they don't, you got to develop what you have to win. And BYU has a history of doing that. I, I thought that kind of was the context of him saying, yeah, we, we're not going to chase all five stars. We can't get all five stars. But look what we can get and look what we can do with them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think whenever you run like a business, let's just say BYU football is a business, what are our, what's our unique value? What are our competitive advantages here? That BYU is attached to the church. That's the number one advantage BYU has. So if you're a kid who is a Latter-day Saint, the possibility of coming to BYU, it's not for everybody who's a Latter-day Saint or a member of the church, but it is for a lot. And if you can start getting more of the Gabe Reed, Houston Haymooley, Tanner McKee types that went elsewhere, they don't, again, I don't expect them all to come here. But I think more would when BYU is in the Big 12. That's number one. And whether they have four stars there or not may not matter. BYU has thrived with more three stars than they have four or five yeah. stars, I would argue. But I would also say this about the stars, and I agree with Preston. Almost any time there's a four-star who actually enrolls and is here, most of the time that's a starter. So I would love to see more of those guys who are fits and have the stars. I think that's the perfect combination. Having uh, you know a high star rating does not mean you're going to be great or even an NFL player. But most of the time here, it does mean you're a starter and an impact player in some capacity. So I would like to see a little more of those. I think, too, as
4: Kalani mentioned the other day, um, a lot of the guys that BYU sign, no matter how good they are, are going on missions. So they're not starters, per se, because of their stars. They're going to be a starter in three years. Yeah. You know, If, uh, if like Hagan goes on his
0: mission, he'll be a starter when he comes home, yeah. but not... This fall. And it depends when he leaves. Yeah. Like, literally, uh, Kalani mentioned in that press conference on Wednesday after he joined us was, hey, this, the, the data shows that, uh, you know, that first year back, they need to probably gray shirt or right. red shirt. Absolutely. To, they get injured.
4: Do we see Chase Roberts this season? We hear great stories right? about him. No, we did not. We I, will see him all next season. Yes.
0: In November, there was a lot of conversation. Blaine coming on the show saying, hey, Chase Roberts looks really good. Yep. He did, he redshirted, So he's a red shirt freshman who's going to be one of the main guys at receiver. Uh, An all-American with a full year of practice back before he takes the field, getting healthy and hamstrings and what like we just see it all the time. So uh, let me ask you this: When BYU is in the Big Twelve, does this philosophy uh, philosophy have to change at all to try and compete for championships? I think if BYU doesn't, they could probably pull off some eight and fours, nine and threes in the regular season. But we're talking about competing in that conference.
4: Well, I think when you're talking about chasing stars. You're going, I don't know if we can get this guy or not. Let's spend all our time there trying to get him because mm. he's going to choose between us and Texas and USC. Uh, or do we go get the stars that we know we can get? Because there are four or five-star LES kids. you got to get those. Um, or at least you got to sell what you got to try to try and get them. Yeah. And so that's a no-brainer. But uh, if, if Texas and Oklahoma are in on this running back who's a five-star, do we go spend all our time getting in that mix as well? Or do we go – Let's go to the stars where we have a shot. And I think there will be more shots, because of being in the Big 12, of four- and five-star LDS kids. Uh, and those who want to come to BYU and be in an honor code place and, and, and be in a, in a place where, uh, I mean, our two centers of the basketball team are devout Muslims, love it here. Come well, to BYU where they can feel at home, yeah. develop, have a great experience, and, and BYU can sell that better than anybody. Um, and, you know, the, the six-foot-six, five-star Latter-day Saint quarterback, you go after him absolutely with everything you got because you already have a built-in niche. That doesn't mean that they want that, but you have a built-in niche. So, yeah, yes. that's when you go. But I don't know if that's chasing stars. That's, that's no. targeting
0: stars. Yeah, I see what you mean by that. I, listen, I, would I like BYU to be in the 30s or 40s in recruiting? Yes. But it doesn't mean they can't compete for a Big 12 title. I do think BYU needs to climb into the 40s to feel like they have the talent to. We're, we're talk, When you're competing for a Big 12 title, you're going to have to win your division. That means zero or one losses most years. Okay, that's in right. league. That's a special year. Initially, my goal for BYU was to have a winning record, five and four, would yeah. be like, "All right, that's good." Go three and one in Ancon, you are eight and four. Go to the Alamo
4: Bowl, have a great time.
0: Let's go. You know, uh, Utah lost out one to Texas a couple years ago. You know, yeah. that, that, that's like a bowl game of renown. Um, so we'll see what BYU does. Can BYU get more of those members of the church? That's the question. If they do, now they're doing better. Yeah. Get, and all it takes, honestly, is like three more of those guys a year. Yeah. That, and that would make a difference. And you know what does it all? Put them in the NFL. Stars
4: want to go where they can go to the NFL. And BYU is in, in the process of putting kids in the NFL now. Every Getting season. better. Getting better. And the, some day. of them make 35 million bucks. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio.
0: This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Dell Time learning score at BYU. The BYU TV countdown to kickoff, uh, tip-off analyst with me or Dave or Spencer or whoever's hosting that day. He is Tyler Haas. Tyler, welcome to the program, man. Hey, thanks. Always good to be on with you guys. And welcome to the when BYU loses too, we got to talk to somebody. So, Ty, we want to talk to you about this because, hey, that was a rough weekend, man, uh, losing near the buzzer against Santa Clara, and then at Pacific, uh, the first quad three or four loss under Mark Poe, back-to-back losses now in the regular season. So what was your perspective on what happened with BYU men's hoops over the weekend?
6: Yeah, I mean, both games, tough ones to to swallow. Um, I think, you know, my my initial reaction to, to both games were, hey, we, we played really well offensively. I mean, both games, BYU shot the ball really well, um, but uncharacteristic of this group, there were a lot of uh, defensive lapses and you know guys getting right to the rim, um, you know big momentum shifts on that end of the floor, which we haven't really seen all season, no matter who they've played, and just just really really tough ones emotionally as a, as a fan to to swallow. And um, but you know this is this is part of part of a, a season for, for any team and there are tough moments and tough losses. And, you know, it's like coach Pope always talks about it's, it's about how you respond. And so um, still, you know, even though it was a gut punch, there's still a lot to play for. And I think um, uh, this, this, this team's going to regroup.
11: Ty, they, it's interesting. You, you go right to the defensive side of things and, and Mark Pope also went there in his post game interviews, and referring to both games last week, saying, hey, it's so uncharacteristic of us, we've hung our hat on defense and rebounding all season long, so to not do that on the road was surprising. How, how does that happen? You expect teams um, to maybe have an off-shooting night, but but isn't defense uh-huh. and rebounding all about effort? And, and so how all of a sudden in two games do they regress so uh, so backward in terms of defense and rebounding?
6: Yeah, it's it's really interesting. You know, I I've, I've tried to think uh, kind of what happened as well and you know, sometimes in both those games I feel like they got off to great starts offensively and you know, the the teams that I played on, we weren't always the best defensively and sometimes when we got off to a really good start and we saw a couple of shots go in sometimes there's a tendency to relax on the defensive end because you feel like everything is just going right on the other end of the floor. And, you know, maybe that's something that, that happens, um, just a, a mental lapse, um, thinking that all is well. All, it, we're we're going to, you know, steamroll these teams like, like other conference games so far. And that just can't happen. You can't lose your focus um, on, on the things that you can control, right? You can't always control shots that are going in but defensively um, you got to stay locked into the scout, got to stay locked into defensive principles. You know, I thought there were just, just mental errors on the defensive end and and rebounding. Right. I, I mean, these guys always talk about having strong gaps, strong being, you know, just playing together defensively. And, and they didn't do that. Guys got right to the rim over and over and over again. And, um, and just went right at our bigs inside uh, both games. And and so it, there's definitely some things to tighten up on that end of the floor.
0: We're talking to Tyler Haas on BYU Sports Nation. Tyler, a couple of weeks ago, I felt like BYU was probably two games better than it should have been. It figured out ways to win a couple of games that normally probably would have lost. Now BYU loses a pair and, and probably is where... They probably should have been. Should is an interesting word there. But without Gavin Baxter and Richard Harwood, this team was doing amazing things. Now we've had a a couple of games where it was like, like we've talked about with defense and rebounding. Do you feel like this team was overachieving a little bit and now they regress to the mean, or do you feel otherwise?
6: Um, You know, I feel like... I feel like they were... I don't know probably a little bit of both in a way. Uh, they, they were definitely overachieving. I think they exceeded expectations, especially after Baxter and, and Harwood go out. I mean, you're expecting big things out at, at a freshman inside and um, the team dynamic and roles had to change. and, and so I, def- I definitely think they exceeded expectations there. Um, but these two games were winnable games and they should have they should have been won and they played well enough to win. Um but they didn't take care of the things uh that that they could control. The defensive side of the ball, rebounding. There were just mental errors, mental lapses that um, you know, BYU was the better team in both of those games. And uh, but it's about it's about responding now. And there's still a lot to play for. And what I think BYU's challenge going forward is just emotionally dealing with this, right? I, I don't think I don't think the house is on fire, per se, um, as, as it may feel. I mean, it, it's hard walking around on campus and talking to people and going to church on Sunday. It, 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 feels, it will feel like the house is on fire. I remember my, my junior year, you know, we had a great team. And right in the middle of that season, we we lost to Utah and Oregon. And then we started out conference losing to, who was Pepperdine it, an and LMU. Yeah, yeah we had four straight losses and I remember going to church and like, these are neighbors, these are people I grew up with. And they're like, Hey, Ty, you know, Hey, we'll get them next year. You got it next season. Yeah. I'm like, we still have 20 games left to play. <laughs> what are we talking about? And so I think the challenge for this group is to, is emotionally, right? How do we, you know, push the reset button and figure out how to, to move on. Cause I really don't feel like the house is on fire. These are things that can be fixed, and, and BYU is, is definitely as good as uh, is advertised. So, so, Tyler, I want to talk to you a little bit about Alex Barcelo.
11: Especially this week, so obviously he was getting what Jeremy and I call it the Tyler Hawes treatment, right? Since uh, you are the all-time leading scorer, lots of games, the entire defense was bent on stopping you. You're getting doubled all the time. It's particularly in that Pacific game, Alex is getting doubled 30 feet away from the basket. What's yep. it like to have to play through that and what advice would you give to Alex? Cause he may see a bunch of that moving forward.
6: Yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean, especially when teams are trying to beat you up, like that's part of their, their game plan is just to tire you out. Right. We're going to throw double and triple teams. Every time you come off a ball screen, every time you come off a down screen, you're seeing multiple bodies, right? That, that can get mentally tiring um, over the course of a game, and you know, I I can remember almost every game in in conference my my junior and senior year just fighting with reps and really starting out the game kind of going, <laughs> hey, I know what's going to happen, you know what's going to happen. Are we on the same page here? You know, and there there's all these games within the game that are happening, right? And and I think Alex is is has handled it really really well so far and he's committed to making the right basketball play i i think that's that's the one piece of advice i would i would give him is hey like be aggressive and attack and you know keep playing your game that way but make the right basketball play and other guys have to step up right other guys have to to be ready to knock down open shots and and be ready to play and you can't win the game by yourself but uh, you have to keep that aggressive mentality. And, I mean, that Santa Clara game, guys, he hit some shots that were amazing. I mean, a couple of his threes in transition, He very, very little space. And we don't usually see Alex take those shots. And, and I mean, it feels like, to me, he, he has the right mindset and uh, he's going to be fine moving forward.
0: I'm just imagining, Tyler, uh, you, you having a conversation because you're like the nicest dude ever. With the Richardsville people and the wristbands trying to get some work in pre annex. Hey, you're getting in my way. After, and now with the WCCF, yeah. <laughs> I'm just, it's a fun, fun visual. Okay, massive week for BYU because BYU's staring down the barrel of 0 4 potentially if they don't bring it this week in the last two weeks, right? San Francisco Thursday night, huge game. Got to win that one, right? Um, and then Gonzaga on Saturday. If you get that one, great. If you don't, no one, no one, uh, you know. Didn't expect that. So BYU's got to get San Francisco on Thursday. But do you still expect BYU to get the two seed in the WCC tournament?
6: I think so. I mean, just just watching you know the first half of conference, there are really good teams. St. Mary's is a great team. Santa Clara is a very talented, skilled team. Uh, Gonzaga is obviously going to do what they do. San Francisco is tough. Like I, I just feel like when it all comes down to it and and you know we we finished this second half out that BYU is going to still be the the number two seed going in um there's just too many games that will happen that I think think it's going to shake out to where to where BYU is the number two seed and um it it is a huge week though and you know I I think we could be having the same conversation next week and feeling great (laughs) like you know if BYU goes in and, and Finds a way to beat San Francisco and beats Gonzaga. I mean, mm. it, the season can change just like that, and that's the beauty of beauty of basketball, right there.
0: Yeah, if that happens, yeah, we'll just have yeah. you on just to celebrate. A win against the Zags changes everything. I it like. Really I like when
11: we talked to Tyler. He he told us. That they were zero and four, or they lost four in a row. I remember that the house wasn't on fire then. This house isn't on fire. I'm feeling a little bit better about everything right
0: now. Tyler, on on the, this show was on the radio only at that point. I said, "You can kiss, <laughs> you can kiss, turning goodbye." he's going to the NIT. I,
11: I said it after that.
6: We need yeah. you. We need you to
11: do a little bit of uh, talking us off the ledge. We appreciate it, Tyler. Yeah. Thanks for
6: thanks for being with us today, man. Thanks, always good to talk to you, brother. Yeah. Thanks so. for having me on, guys.
2: That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on
8: BYU TV and BYU Radio.